I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, my wife ask this question or I've asked this question to my wife because we've been married for 27 years, so this question has come up a lot. And it's this question. It's, why are we fighting? Have you ever had that? Maybe with your kids, maybe with your spouse, maybe with a friend. You ask this question, why are we fighting? What is it? And then, you know, sometimes when you ask that question, you both laugh because you can't remember why. You know, was it the bread or somebody left the cap off the toothpaste or something silly like that. But that's a really, really, really good question. A question that we should all answer. And the reason it's a good question that we should all answer is because we're going to, according to the scriptures, we're going to be in community. That the church of Jesus Christ should be a church that is in community. It's in fact what the name church means. It's the ecclesia, the, the gathering, the coming together, the community. And we're supposed to be a kind of community that makes all other communities look at us and go, I'm not sure I believe what they believe, but they are a beautiful, loving group of people. I'm not sure that I believe in God like they believe in God, but man, they are attractive. What they believe about God makes them attractive. That's the kind of community we're supposed to be. But here's the thing. You and I, we run into battles. Some of us drove here with a family member or took the train or a bus with a family member. And just before we got here, we arrived on an argument. Has that ever happened to you? Sure, it's happened to all of us because this thing is part of our lives. Whenever you're in any kind of relationship, whenever you're in any kind of relationship, the risk of fighting is going to be there. But here's the thing. The reason we think we're in a fight, the reason that we think that we're in an argument, that reason is the fault of the other person. Isn't it true? Isn't that the conclusion you come up with? Why are you fighting? Because of her. Why are you fighting? Because of him. Why are you fighting? Because of what they did. Why are you fighting? Because if they would just understand if they, if he, if she, it's always the problem is other than us. The answer to that question is always outside. Well, this is a really important message that we're going to listen to today. Because God's word is going to teach us about our fighting and where it comes from. But here's the thing. The answer might shock you. The answer might offend you. The answer might cause you to recoil and not want to hear it. But you got to hear it. Let me tell you why. Your marriage depends on it. Even if you're not married, you might get married. And it's very probable that you will get married. And that marriage depends on it. Your friendships that you have, it depends on it. Because you will have friends that if they are true friends, you will eventually get into fights with. You know what else? Your career depends on it. Because whatever career you're involved in, you will run up against others and there will be some times when people rub you the wrong way and how you respond will tell 
whether you do well in that career or don't do well. Your education will depend on how you respond and what you think is the uh, reason. Because the fact is, is that when you're learning, even with the teacher, you have to relate to other students. You have to relate to the rest of the class. It affects every area of your life. So we're going to talk about a really important subject, and I want you to really pay attention because it's a big, big deal. And it's found in James chapter 4, and all we're going to do is we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. I, I sort of wanted to go through all the way through 12, but there's just no way we're going to be able to do it tonight. So we're just going to look at the issue, the problem, and hopefully give a little solution. But if you want to hear more about what um, relational reconciliation looks like, if you want to look at more, uh, please do come uh, next Sunday at 10 a.m. when we have our regularly scheduled services. But let's, uh, if we can stand, we're going to read God's word together. And since we're only reading three verses, would you all just read it with me? On a count of three. One, two, three. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Stop. Really? What causes fights and quarrels among, listen to me, you? Absorb that. Take that in. Let's start from the top again on the count of three. Verse one. One, two, three. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This is God's word. Please, have a seat. Yeesh. So here's the question that James is asking. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Notice he doesn't ask, are there fights and quarrels among you? He says, what causes these things? Now, James, remember, we're in a series called This Is Us. And in this series called This Is Us, we are looking at us as a church, the recovery house of worship, and how we relate to one another. Because now that we're in a new family, when we come to Christ, the Bible says we are adopted. Not only does God adopt us, uh, to himself, he adopts us into a new family, and we're all a part of that family. We have new brothers, new sisters, but here's the thing. We have new brothers and new sisters who are from different cultures, different educational backgrounds, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different uh, uh, temperaments and personalities. So when we come together, it's very possible that we rub each other the wrong way, and therefore, in this series, we're looking at how we should relate to one another. And we've looked at a bunch of different things at a bunch of different moments. But today we're going to look at, why do we fight? You've seen this in churches. You've heard of churches splitting. I've literally heard of churches splitting over decorations. Like, think about that. 
Somebody wants the carpet this color. Another group of people want the carpet that color. And they fight until they separate. There's the biggest, the biggest um, argument against the church is the hypocrisy of the church. That we preach love. We say forgiveness. But then we Christians, the people in this room, not anybody else, us, we won't go to a, a family party because we still hold a resentment with Titi Tini or Theo whoever, right? Or uncle so-and-so or auntie so-and-so. You get what I'm saying? That, that there's to be for us a different way of being with one another. And there's a bunch of us here. And we're going to grow and love each other. But it's not going to be because we come with our old cultural our old baggage, traditional way that we grew up. We're going to have to be a new community. And so James asks this church, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He literally says, why do you war? Why do you war against each other? Think about that. Now, pause for a second. Is there anyone, anyone in this congregation that you're at war with? Is there anyone that you stopped coming for a while because you knew that they were here? Is there anyone that you decided to sit where you are right now because they are sitting in somewhere else? You saw them sit over there, so you're going to sit over here. You saw them sit over there, so you're going to sit over here. See, the question is, why does that exist? Why aren't we open and receptive of one another. What causes this war among us? But not only in the church, is there anybody in your life? Is there anybody in your family? Any friends whom you have a quarrel with? This is an exceptional passage for marriages. You have to ask yourself, why do you fight? Why are there quarrels among you in your marriage? It's a great, if you're single, it's great because you have friends. Why, do you fi- why are you fighting with your friends? Why are you warring with your friends? But truly, why are we fighting? Why are we crawling, uh, quarreling here? So James asks the question, and then he says, here's two reasons. One is that you're motivated by fleshly desire. You're motivated What causes fights among you? There's this thing. It's called fleshly desires. See what he says here? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Okay, the next time you get into a fight with somebody, I want you to tell them, you know why we're fighting? Because of the battle that's going on inside of me. You know why I'm this amped up about what you said? Because of the desires that are going on inside my heart. You see, James is pointing out something that's fundamentally true. That the reason that we fight one another is because you are not on board with the fact that I am supposed to be God in this relationship. And that means I'm to be obeyed and worshipped and sacrificed for? And if you don't agree with me, 
We got a fight on our hands. And I will fight to the death. Fact that James says it just right there in verse two. You're, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Isn't that a terrible statement? No, but how many, how many of our friendships have died as a direct result of us not getting what we wanted? How many of our marriages are right now on the rocks? You're almost dead. How many marriages? How many marriages do you have that died? You see, James is saying something very, very important. That before you go and point out there, no, you don't understand. He has, uh, uh, you know, he has these ways that just frustrate me. No, you don't understand. She's just, she's just like that. She's just self-centered. Maybe. Perhaps it's something that's happening inside of you. Something that you want that they're not providing. Something that only Jesus can give you, but you've put the idea of Savior on their shoulders, and they aren't saving you from your loneliness, from your need to be loved, from your sexual drive. They aren't saving you, so you fight. You war, and you kill the thing. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. That is to say that you want something that you do not have. You covet. Why do you fight, guys? Why do we fight? What causes fights among Recovery House of Worship? What causes fights in my household? What causes fights in my marriage? What causes? It's motivated by our fleshly desire. And the sooner that you embrace that, the more merciful you will be with the other. Because once you recognize that, once I recognize that in my marriage, the reason that we are having this fight it's because of me, not because of what they said or what they did, not because of how they acted, not because they came late. No, no, no. They, they, they came late, and that was annoying, but the, the real reason is, is that I want to be in control of every moment. Or they came late, and it made me look bad, and I want to look good in front of others. Or they came late, and I, I just I don't want to be left waiting. You see, you see, beloved, it's a fleshly desire. And once we embrace that, it takes a little bit off the edge. Because if we fight amongst each other, usually there's a saint and a sinner in that fight. Who in your fights is multiple choice? Here we go. Tell me what you think. In the fights that you have, who's the saint? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of honest people here. Right, right, right. Okay. And, and all right. So it's, all right. So who's the saint? Me or them? Okay. So it's me. All right. Who's the sinner? Me or them? For sure. For sure. Anybody, anything, anyone. They, them, him, her. That's the problem. Listen. When you go to, like if you're married people, if you've gone to marriage counseling, tell the truth. Who are you really there for? The 
other person, right? Yeah. You're there for them because they need to be fixed, right? All married couples, when they go to marriage counseling, everybody secretly, uh, everybody secretly hopes that they get fixed, whoever they are. You see, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's your fleshly desire. Now, once you recognize that, let's look at some of the results. The results is death and denial. Results, that's my typo. It should be the results is death and the result is death and denial. Do you see it there? You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. Do you see the denial there? And then you see the, the death you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. That's what results. Results in death and denial. Death of a relationship. Death of a church. Death of an opportunity. Death of a, of a career. De- and then denial. Wait. I'm asking God for something, but I'm asking in such a way that if he gave it to me, it would harm me so he won't give it to me. Do you get it? It's death and denial. That's what leads to our quarreling. That's what, when we find, remember what James said in chapter one, that you can't bring about the will of God by your anger, that you're not going to bring about the righteousness of God by your rage. We say, I'll show them. And so here's what we do. We let anger simmer, right? And so we give them the cold shoulder. We don't talk to them. We hug the four people in the circle, but not them, letting them know that we are still upset. We, we play the quiet game. We don't answer phone calls or text messages. We, call, we ice people out, you see. And then death happens. Denial happens. You don't get what you want. So what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's motivated by fleshly desires and it results in death and denial. So in the end, brothers and sisters, we have two choices. Two choices. Now, I do hope that by this point in the sermon, you're thinking about the fights that you've had this week or the arguments. Maybe they're in your head. Have you ever had a fight in your head? Have you ever lost a fight that happened in your head? I haven't. I've always, I'm always winning the fights that are in my head. I'm always right. Listen, I hope you're thinking about that, and I hope it's reframing the way you intend on responding to your spouse. But you don't understand. No, 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 beloved, stop, stop, stop. Before we go and understand them, before we go and understand him, before we go and understand her, let's understand this. There's a wicked desire, a wicked desire that exists in you, and it's wreaking havoc in your marriage, with your friends, at school, at work, with your kids and your grandkids. It's wreaking havoc. So we have two choices then. I'm going to make this quick. Um, The first choice we have is to live my needs above yours. That's one way we could live um, throughout life. 
my needs above yours. What I want takes precedent above yours. So, men, if she's tired and you're married, she's tired, but you want to be physically intimate, whose needs? Whose needs? Oh, well, it's clear. It's my needs above yours. If you're in a rush and they need to talk, who wins? Anybody knows? It's my needs above yours. If, if they're asking for help, but you have a very busy schedule, who wins? Well, it's my needs above yours. Can I tell you that's the default system of all of our hearts? That I know you think, listen, even for those of us who are here are like, oh my gosh, I am so glad she's hearing this. Oh my goodness, I can't wait to get this audio for them. I know, I know, because we never look at, we never look in the mirror and see selfish. We never look in the mirror and see self-centered. We never look in the mirror and see self-obsessed. I'm telling you, even those of us who, who think of ourselves as the givers, those of us who think of ourselves as the nurturers, the helpers, the sacrificers, do that and don't get a thank you. You see, what welled up inside of you, you didn't get what you want. You see, I was willing to serve so long as I wasn't treated like a servant. But once you started treating me like a servant, now we got beef. You see, all of us, all of us need to ask God to humble our hearts under this. The one way we could live is my needs above yours. The second way we could live is your needs above mine. Your needs above mine. Those are really the only two options in life. Go. What I want is more important than what you want. So in the weekend, guys, let's watch sports while our wives watch the kids because we need to decompress. Uh, lady, uh, guys, let's talk to the guys again. Um, we're single and we're dating and we really, really have urges and needs that only, and so we go, come on. And she goes, no, 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 you don't understand. I, I, I want to serve Jesus. I'm new to Christ. I want to love Jesus. No, 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 you don't understand. I'm your savior. You have to serve me. So there's, there's two ways to live, isn't it? My needs above yours, your needs above mine. Let me just uh, tell you, my needs above yours is the very definition of hell. It's, the, it's what hell will be forever. Hell will be forever a bunch of selfish people not responding to one another. Hell will be forever the ultimate loneliness Hell will be forever needing something and not getting or getting any empathy or sympathy from anyone. That's what hell will be. Now, if my needs above yours is hell, your needs above mine is heaven. Heaven is going to be uh, just an ongoing. Because I'm telling you, if you've ever served anybody, you have a t and if you've ever served anybody from true motives, and all of our motives are skewered to one degree or another, but mostly, true, mostly pure motives, I'm telling you, that good feeling that you felt, it's a taste of heaven. 
It's a taste of heaven. And here it is. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never considered Christianity, if religion is not something that's like, you know, not something that you're for, I'm telling you, you've tasted a little bit of heaven when you served us some other, when you served others. Literally, we have a saying that it's better to give than to receive. And anybody who's truly given has experienced the joy and the wonder of that. I'm telling you, you make the world a brighter, more lit with the love of Christ. You see the light of Christ go out among the entire world. The world is a dark place and there's nothing like living to serve others. Nothing like living to serve each other. Nothing like that. To show the world the beautiful light of Christ. So, I wanted to illustrate the beauty and the wonder and how precious it is to serve others because it really does shine the light of Christ all over. So, if you could just imagine for a second uh, this room being like utterly, like there's tons of lights here, right? Now, if you could just imagine for a second this room being utterly dark, And then, shut them off. You could do it. I believe in you. Shut off all the lights. Okay. You can do it. Shut them all off. Okay. You can do it. I believe in you. All right. Awesome. Okay. So, this is your life. Our lives are like this. Where when this world is a dark place. And oh my goodness, you only need to watch an hour worth of the news in order to get the idea that this world is a dark place. That's why whenever we see somebody like heroically saving somebody or serving somebody, we just freak out and just like everybody celebrates that person because it's like so rare. Right? This world is a dark place. And the fact is, is that in this world, no matter how I live my life, how virtuous, how pure, how righteous, and all that, it's just my light. However, when I, when I walk to someone else, and let's see if I can do this. When I, listen to me, when I serve somebody and love them in the name of Christ, there's a little bit more light in the world than there was before. And I want you to notice, I didn't lose any light by sharing my light with someone else. Now, what if he decides? What if he decides to share the love of Christ, how Christ has loved and served him with someone else? And what if they decide? And it goes on and on and on and on. Well, it doesn't happen like in one second. But what does happen is that the world gets a little bit brighter. And it starts moving in a direction that it should be. Because it's a dark world. But Jesus said, Jesus said, I 
am the light of the world. And so Jesus would lead us to certain and try to get as many people as you can. Just turn around and no tripping, guys. If we cause a fire, I'm going to get fired. All right? Be careful. But take the time. Now watch. See? When we serve one another, there's a little bit more light in the world. And notice, no matter how many people's candles you lit, you did not lose any light yourself. In fact, the room, only, look at how bright this is. This is awesome. Now watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is really super important. The reason that we can share our light with others is because there was one who came into a dark world and he served us. And he served us not at the risk of his life, not at the cost of his time, but he served us because, to the death. And he served us with all of his time. And because he has, we have a light to share with others. Beloved, let's make our church. Could you imagine? Could you imagine having received Jesus and then serving others with the same love that Jesus has given to us? So here's what I want us to do. As we're thinking about how to serve, some, serve others, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask this question throughout this week. Here it is. Are you ready? It's, how is my serving you like the way Christ served me? Because if you just go out, and I'm telling you, if we just do a pay it forward thing, we're going to be the most self-righteous, proud people in the world. The very same thing that kept us from serving people will be the very same thing that makes us serve people. We'll be proud and self-centered. Look at me. I've served. I've, I've lit other people's candles. Look at me. But if we serve others in the name of Christ, we serve others in such a way that we're reminded about how Christ loved us. So you need, listen, you need help? And then I help you? And then I think about, Lord, that was really hard, helping that person. Could you remind me what it was like for your help to come my way? Oh my gosh, I had to sacrifice for that person. Lord, would you remind me, is the feeling that I felt, the pain that I felt in sacrificing for them, is that the same pain that you felt in sacrificing for me? Only like a billion times more? Is, is, oh, I had to give that person, uh, um, you know, pay, their, uh, uh, pay a bill or help them with rent or, you know, and I just didn't have enough money, but I gave out of my, out of my, not out of my plenty, but out of my need. I just, I was, I was generous. Lord, could you remind me what your rich generosity has done in my life? Do you see? If we serve in Christ, not like the world, oh, I do it because it makes me feel good. No, but if we serve in Christ, knowing that whatever service we give to someone else is a service that's been done unto us and to the death by Christ, that he's loved you enough to shed his light abroad on your heart, beloved, the world will never be the same. Amen. Now, everybody, 
It's a good illustration, so just go ahead, blow out the candle. Now, what would it look like? What would it look like? What would it look like for you to live a life that serves others? My prayer is that this church would be such a church. Now, with that, 